All right, we are back. Best hour of their day and back by popular demand. The one and only Todd Acuto. Thanks for having me back on, guys. Are you always worried you're going to say his name wrong, Fern? No, I know how to say people's <laughs> names right. You're the one who can't fucking say people's <laughs> names. Like, yeah. It sounds just like it's spelled, Jay. I don't know what your difficulty is, man. I don't know what the problem is. Yeah, well, yesterday we were texting and you said, hey, here's my Gmail. So I sent you and I bounced it back legit four times in a row. <laughs> it's just my first initial and last name. Pretty easy, right? Yeah, but in fairness, okay, I spelled it wrong the first time. This, but then it kept auto-correcting me to the wrong spelling. <laughs> so finally, we got the email to you. So we have Todd on. Todd's going to be helping us discuss this. This is a tough tap topic to navigate, and it's really pay structure at the box level. So, you know, three box owners, you know, one being a former box owner myself, but we've all probably run the gamut on how we should pay our coaches. So, Fern, what's the best way to kick this off? Stay organized, stay on topic, but give the people, you know, this is going to be important for box owners to hear our perspective because we've done it well, but also we get, we probably get about a dozen texts or, you know, DMs, emails a week or we talk to people at the seminars of, you know, hey, my box does this, my box does that. What should I do? There, so there's a, lot of, there's a lot of aspects to this conversation. So some of the things that we're going to try to dive into is if we have time is, you know, do you pay your coaches or not? We'll start there. Um, you know, what functions am I paying people for coaching versus admin versus um, something else. Do I 1099 them? Do I W2 them? Uh, how do I establish pay rates and pay raises? Should I be exchanging memberships for pay? Uh, how, where does that fall? Uh, do I even need to pay somebody inside the walls of my box to do that task? I mean, so there's a lot of different things here, but let's just start with, should I pay my coaches? And I, you guys can chime in here, but the number the number of people that I speak with monthly basis that still either don't pay their coaches or exchange coaching for a membership, I'm, it's, I'm still a little bit shocked by the number of gyms that do that. And I, there's a lot of problems with that, right? So there's problems legally with that. There's, there's problems just from a cultural standpoint. But my, my first kind of advice to anybody is to stop doing that. Stop exchanging memberships for coaching and don't have your staff work for free. There, there's, some, there's some second and third order effects to doing that. Uh, and one of which is if you have a, uh, you now have a false business. Now you, you now have a business that is based on free labor, which is not the real world. So <laughs> your your PNL will never be accurate. You, you will not actually understand what true overhead for running a business should be and what it should look like. So and that's not to say that you should, if not, because that's the only way you can run your business, then you have to come up with a plan in order to try to get there. But that is the first thing, you know, like that is what I would really, really urge people to stop doing. You will never have a, a full set of professionals inside the walls of your business if that's how you're doing it. I don't, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but it's, it's kind of a pet peeve of mine. Well, let's, 
let's start with this then. You know, we'll, we'll discuss the pros, the cons, and everything, and maybe some mistakes we've made in the past. But let's talk about three boxes, right? I coach at a box. You guys currently own boxes. Let's talk about what goes on right now in the three boxes that we're a part of. Todd, you want to, if you don't, you know, you don't have to give specific numbers if you're uncomfortable doing that. But Todd, what goes on in drive fitness from a coach's pay perspective? Yeah, so we're in a place where we, we, we pay all of our coaches for their classes, obviously different rates based on um, most notably like the amount of commitment to us that they give, also their experience. Um, but we've gone through and done every iteration of this thing. We've done the trade classes for um, membership and stuff like that. And it took us a while to get to a point to where we could make sure that we're taking care of everybody and doing it that way. It's, it's easier now and I think it's better now in the sense that uh, there's, a there's a true exchange for your service, right? What they're doing for us, they know what they're getting from us and we know what we are getting from them. I think one of the difficult things is when somebody's coaching for free or just for their membership, it makes it harder for you as the leader or the owner to kind of push on them to get what you need. Um, it's hard to give, harder to give them feedback. It's harder to um, ask them for more or demand a higher quality and really for them to take the ownership in some scenarios to put in the work necessary to, to be the quality coach that you want if that's what you're looking for in your affiliate. So, and with that being said, I assume if they're getting paid, they're also getting a free membership? Yeah. Is, is there any other perk that they're getting at Drive Fitness other than hey, you show up, you coach your hour, you get, you know, paid X. Do they get free anything? Is there something that goes on there that, you know, listeners would want to know about? I mean, you get access to the gym at it, you know, 24 hours a day. Um, you get anything that we sell at, at cost or at the, the price that we get it for or any of that kind of stuff. Um, and then anything additionally that, that we do, they're, they're part of that. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's important because, you know, that's a perk, right? A lot of people, you know, they coach, they want to, they have a busy schedule. Maybe they're doing it outside of their nine to five. So they can come in early or they can stay late or weekends, they can make up workouts. So talk, give me a little more information about, you said it's based on how much time and, you know, basically their dedication to the box. What, what does, what does that mean? Um. <clears throat> Obviously, there's people out there that are coaching because they want to be a professional coach and they want to make a living from this and this is, this is their thing. And then there's people that are like, hey, I want to coach, help people out, but I've got another career and this is just going to be something I'm doing on the side. Um, so the way that we look at it is like if you are somebody that wants to be a full-time coach and put in the kind of effort to, to, to take care of us and you want to make this your career, we want to um, try to facilitate that for you. So we're going to be willing to pay you more um, and also ask more of you. If you're somebody that wants to coach one, two, maybe three classes a week and that's it, um, then the, the pay scale is going to be a little bit different. So we look at those as like our part-time coaches that are coaching um, one to three classes or something like that a week. And their scale is going to be a little bit smaller than somebody that's going to be a full-time coach, which is coaching, you know, anywhere between nine to 20 classes a week. We want to try to take care of those people because they're taking care of us and giving us more time and they're trying to make a career out of this thing. All right, cool. So that's what goes down in St. Augustine. What about Virginia Beach? Ours is very similar, you know, so we have 
Uh, we pay coaches for their classes and pay rates will fluctuate. <clears throat> um, so we structured it and I've changed it a couple times over the years, but we structure it where your pay rate or is based on a couple different things. So it's based on hours worked, not time in the seat. So for instance, what I mean by that is if you have a coach who's been with you for three years, but only coaches two classes a week versus somebody who's been with you for eight months, but coaches 25 to 30 classes a month, the person who's working at a much higher frequency should be eligible for a raise much sooner based on hours worked. And uh, there's a couple assumptions when you do this that they're A, improving, and that they're B, also working on professional development. So uh, ours is based on hours worked as, as well as credentials. Uh, and when we decide to give a pay raise, nothing is guaranteed. That just, that there's certain, certain things in place where you're now eligible for uh, a pay raise. Um, we do the same thing where we try to give uh, every everybody uh, product at cost, uh, as well as contribute to CEUs and stuff throughout the year. So for both of you, how long do, you know, people are going to be listening, especially box owners, and like, that's great, but I can't afford that. How long did it take you guys to go from opening your doors to paying people? And were there missteps along the way, like barters for, for coaching or you know, very low pay. What, what were some of the, the things that went on between day one and, and where you are now? Uh, when, when we opened the doors, we, I'm trying to think, think back. Uh, we're at a place where we were able to pay, you know, I did most of the coaching, I think, to begin with, and we had another coach that was here um, coaching quite a bit as well, and we were able to pay him for his time right off the bat. Um, I was still in my other career and working my other job, so I was taking care and paying him rather than myself at that early stage. Then transitioned a little bit to um, having a couple part-time coaches. That's where we they were just doing a couple classes a week, and we did the barter system for a little while. And then it took a couple years, and, and finally hiring somebody that's going to be more of a um, just take on a bigger role besides one or two classes a week is when we started paying paying those people and then transition to paying everybody. What about you, Fern? We may have bartered, it's been a long time, and I don't, I don't to be honest with you, I'm, it's a, the beginning is, is super fuzzy, but for the most part, I'm, I'm almost positive from, from day one that we paid everybody. Now, it doesn't mean we were paying them a ton of money, but if they worked, we paid them. What we did not pay for, for quite some time were, um, like extracurricular activities, so administrative roles. We didn't start doing that until maybe probably two or three years ago, where we started paying people for administrative work. We just tried to, we, you know, ask people to do it. Yeah, so, and let's talk a little bit about that, because I know as a box owner, that was one of my biggest frustrations. You're paying people to coach for the hour, but really, we all know an hour of coaching is not an hour. You know, it's more like an hour and a half by the time you get there early and leave. And really, that also becomes a lot of admin stuff, whether it's taking the garbage out, checking people into your system. So where, where do you draw the line between, hey, I'm paying you to coach this class, and now this is extra work? And, and how do you pay people? Is it the same pay rate that they're getting for that time on the floor, or is it a different pay rate? We... So the first like true employee that we hired on, 
uh, with somebody to manage the business that was solely in charge of a lot of the admin work um, and was not coaching at all. And so, you know, I found that people that coach typically want to coach and they don't want to do the other stuff. Um, and typically you're a good coach. You're probably potentially not as good at some of the other stuff. So the first person that we, we hired besides myself and my partner to, to work on the business was, was a manager to, to take on all of that admin stuff, which has allowed us to then hire coaches going forward that their primary role and responsibility is coaching. Um, and so we can pay them accordingly. Now, since then, it's, you know, roles have kind of grown and there's different things that um, people will do, whether it's taking on social media roles or um, setting up events or something like that, where they then get also get an additional admin min rate. Um, and we've tried a few different things. We've tried salaries. We've tried paying per class and per hour of that other admin stuff. Um, and, it, you know, we still have people on different people in different roles and being paid slightly different ways as far as salary or per class and per, per role. But regardless, I think defining exactly what, what you get for what you do is the big piece of that. And I think that's something that we didn't do very well early on. And that was something that cost us sort of got a lot more headache and, and struggles than I would have liked based on that. And it was just not being very clear on what we expected and what you got for what, what we expected from well, I think that, you know, that's a topic we can dive into and that, you know, we, we often force people into these square pegs, if you will. It's like, hey, we're here to coach and then I'm getting mad that you're not doing this shit you don't actually want to do. So it, it's, you know, smart move to then, you know, I'm sure there are people that either enjoy CrossFit and don't want to coach but want a part-time job or maybe they just want a part-time job and they don't even do CrossFit, but they would be a great manager for your box. What, what did you do, Fern? Very similar. So we we kind of outlined all the roles within the gyms. So you have coach, or let me backtrack, actually the tasks. So we, lined up, we outlined all the tasks, and then we took the tasks, and then we grouped them into whatever role would seem appropriate. So then we, looking at things like cleaning the gym, um, administrative stuff as far as member management or account management, um, scheduling social media and then attached a dollar per hour rate that w was fair for that and what you really have to do there is canvas the people on the team first and see if anybody's interested in that role and you know believe it or not like I I hate spreadsheets and doing things on the computer however I had a person on my team who spreadsheets make them very happy so that person being in charge of the schedule makes the most sense. So, and she did a phenomenal job at it uh, for a very, very long time. And we've just recently transitioned um, to give that to another person because she's now doing other things, but finding out what roles fit, what people is super important. And that's, and that's part of the concept in, I believe it's built to last is like, you know, first get the right people on the bus and then figure out what seats everybody should be in. Um, and that is probably like a never ending kind of puzzle that you're going to continue to try to solve is, okay, well, this person was really, but they're kind of grown out of that role and we need to move them to something else. So, but for the most part, I've never paid anybody's salary. Everything's been hourly. And I think that's the fair way to do it. I think, I think for somebody to be earning in a, a salary in most cases, they need to have a significant 
role or number of roles within the gym. Yeah, that was certainly a mistake I made. I put a bunch of coaches on salary and then it works two ways. If I'm asking them to do more, they kind of in their head figure out how many hours they're working. But at the same time, I expect them to do more because they're getting paid a salary. So I agree with you. That's certainly something that you are very pro is paying people for their hour, you know, including even in something like our, our company here in best hour of their day. So let, let's bring it to the, to the coaches level. Now, you know, we get hit up by the coaches and, you know, they say, well, my box did this and I moved and now this box did that. What should I do? What do they do, Todd? So for example, someone moves, they were coaching at a box and they were getting a free membership and they were getting paid 15 an hour. Now they move somewhere and the box that they are offered a position at, you know, offers to give them money towards their membership, but it's not necessarily a pay and it's not necessarily a free membership. You know, that's one scenario, but what's, what's your, how do you talk to coaches at that level, regardless of exactly what's being brought to you? I think the, re the reality of it is, is that although every CrossFit gym is very similar, they're all distinctly different as well, right? So just because you enjoyed coaching at one gym and you were a good fit there, when you move, you, you got to find a new home. And so, you know, a lot of times people will ask me that question. And in my opinion, as an affiliate owner, it's like, I'm always looking for coaches potentially if it's the right coach, but I've never had somebody come up to me and say, Hey, I'm moving to town. I'd like to coach. Um, and me just hire them off the street. The first thing that I want is somebody in my gym to see if they even fit with the culture, see what kind of person they are. Um, so if I was the coach that, you know, had moved from my current location and now I'm in a new location, number one, I'm going to visit all the gyms around the area to where I've moved to. Uh, once I get a feel for what that what that gym is like, I'm going to join the gym as a member first, um, make sure that I kind of fit in with the culture. I like the way that they do things. And then from there, after I've spent some time in the gym, then potentially talk to the owners about, hey, I've got some coaching background. I don't know if you need any help. Let me know if that's something you'd be interested in. Um, but I'd be hard pressed to just take somebody off the street and, and hire them in. It's like you got to make sure they're the right person and it's going to be the right fit for your gym and that kind of stuff. I also, as the affiliate owner, would, would want somebody to have a little bit of skin in the game, you know, by, by jumping in and being willing to be a part of our community before you're a part of our team. That, that, that's a tough balance, though, right? You move from one area to the other, maybe you've been coaching a year, two years, and now you, you go somewhere and they're like, hey, you have to be a member here. You know, you're accustomed to maybe a free membership, maybe getting some, some you know, side pay there. How can how does someone navigate that? Is it well if I really want to be a dry fitness, I need to put my time in, or let me see what other boxes are in town and I'll coach at one of those? Yeah, that might be the case, right? If like there are more gyms nowadays, so the, the opportunity for for a coaching need is greater. And I have heard of other gyms that'll just hire somebody that comes to town and has a level one or level two or whatever it is. Um, me personally, that's not how I run my business and not something that I'd be willing to do. Um, and you're right. It is a difficult situation. Hey, it's like you've been coaching somewhere. You've maybe been getting paid for this, but you might have to take that one step back and be willing to humble yourself enough mm -hmm. to be a member at a gym and see how things go down. Um, and I find, like I said, if like, if you're the right fit, I will find work for you. I'll find a way for you to be a part. 
part of my team if you see me like you're the right person. But I can't tell you how many people have come to my gym and said, hey, I'm a coach. I'd really like to coach at your gym. And I go, hey, cool. First things first, I need to see how you fit in our facility. I would love for you to come to my gym. And most of the time I offer them to come and work out with us for free, whether it's one session, whether it's a week or a couple of weeks. And the people don't even show up. It's like, it's, it's pretty interesting. And it's like, you want to be a coach at my gym, but you're not even willing to show up to take a class at my gym. Like, clearly, I don't know what your intentions are. It's like, sometimes I feel like people walk up and tell me they're a coach and they expect me to hand over a key to my gym so they can come and train whenever they want to and do whatever they want to. And it's just not the way it's going to be. What would it take? So what would it take for you, Todd, for someone to come to your box, to come to Drive Fitness, and you hire them as a coach. You know, so for example, we are all level three and level four coaches, right? So we show up at the box. Now you don't know us. Say you didn't know us. We don't work together regularly on weekends. Is there any level of coach? Is there a, an athlete that shows up? You know, Matt Frazier shows up. Is What would it take for someone to be hired on the spot at, at Drive Fitness? It's not a thing. You can't, like, I'm not going to hire you on the spot. My culture and the people within my gym are way more important than whoever you think you are, right? So you have to come and be a part of my classes because all of our coaches take classes. Everybody in our gym is a part of the community and no one's above that. So I've got to see how you respond to the workout. And as you guys in a workout, in a class setting, getting coached by somebody else tells an awful lot about it. If you're the person that listens to coaches, you, you know, you take feedback and, and are able to scale workouts, you work hard and you cheer on everybody else until they're finished. Um, and you seem to get along well with everybody. You might have a chance to be a coach at our gym. And I'm only going to see that with you being inside the walls of the gym for weeks, maybe a couple months. Like I don't, unfortunately, I don't really care who you are. You walk in, like, I don't know how you're going to fit. And I don't care how good of an athlete or good of a coach you are if I don't know how you interact with our community. So, you know, I think I'd have to be at a tough spot and really need a coach to just hire somebody that walked into my gym at one point. From what's your take on this? You know, similar scenario, you know, someone moves, you know, we, we hear about it being at level one, level twos from both perspectives. What do we tell those people? Cause it's hard. I, I agree with what Todd said. You know, what I want to tell people is like, Hey, every box is different. And, they took the risk, they've opened the box and it's, you know, whether it's successful or not, you want to coach there. You have to, it's like going for a job. You don't like Starbucks pay. Well, you either accept it or you go work at Dunkin' Donuts. And it's the same thing when it comes to, to boxes. Every box is different. They can do, they can do whatever, but how do you navigate that? Yeah. I mean, the first, the first thing is there is exactly what you just said, which is you, you're not entitled to a job and, and, and you don't have to take it. If you don't like it, well, then you can just make a decision to do something else. Uh, the other thing is, I think, again, context matters here. Like, if you are a gym owner who is just strapped for time and you just need somebody to fill 20 classes a week so that you could eat lunch occasionally, or sorry, 20 classes a month so you can eat lunch occasionally, then you might have to do that in the short term. And, and But you need to do that without rose colored glasses and, and understand that you might not get the best product. After that, as you mature as a business, you know, I am in Todd's camp where I'm not going to hire somebody on the spot, <clears throat> but I do think there are probably as the community grows and as the 
people within the community get a little bit uh, more developed. There's probably two scenarios. One scenario is a person has no experience and wants a coach. And the other one is somebody who has what I would consider a significant resume, right? So they've been coaching, you know, probably north of a thousand hours. They have multiple credentials, whether it be CrossFit or outside CrossFit, you know, maybe they have CSCS or Exos or OPEX and they have a level three and they have CSCS or, or a master's degree in kinesiology or something like that. That now warrants at least a conversation, an interview and maybe a tryout. So I'm not saying that, that I'm not going to hire somebody, but it's not going to be like, Hey, you got the job. It's going to be more like a traditional job interview where I'm going to see if I like you. I'm going to look at your resume, which goes to something we talked about before. Like if you're not a coach who's developing a resume that, that says something other than I like CrossFit, then you should be doing that. Um, and then from there, it has to be a fit for the culture and the team. You know, so again, I'm in total agreement with Todd is that like, I don't care if you're fit and I don't care what you did before because maybe you did coach at a CrossFit gym for five years before you showed up at my gym. That doesn't mean those were quality hours. It doesn't mean you know what you're talking about. You, you know, for the vast majority of people that walk into my gym, if you've been coaching at another gym for four or five years, you're probably going to be the fifth best coach on the staff. Like just that's the way it is because we've spent so much time doing development and that's not a knock on that person, but we do have to acknowledge that just because you were inside the walls of the gym does not mean you are an effective coach. And, and with that being said, let's talk a little bit about, what you guys do as far as continuing ed, do you guys help out your coaches with further development, be it, you know, they're taking their level two, three, or maybe, you know, like Fern mentioned some other sort of credential. What, what do you do, Fern? So, yeah, we'll put some money towards that as far as uh, some continued education credentials. And it's depending on what the course is, if it is a pass fail course, what we will try to do is a reimbursement. If it's a certificate course, we will, uh, in certain instances, just help or pay for that up front. But if it's a pass fail, I want them to have some skin in the game. And if they fail, then I'm not going to reimburse. If they pass, then I'll reimburse them. Um, you know, we're fortunate that we host seminars pretty regularly. So there's, there's spots available that I can, you know, everybody on my staff is level two and I have two level three coaches on there. So, um, you know, I think it's important for that to be part of the culture, which is you should always be moving forward. If anybody on my staff goes a year without getting some additional credential, that's that's a, that's probably my fault for not pushing them a little bit more. What what happens at drive? Yeah, it's the same thing. Uh, we we contribute to people that want to take it, um, continued education, and it's it's a similar sense in the in the fact that if you're a full time somebody that's committed more to us, we're going to commit more and pay more towards that. Um, if you're part time, it'll be a little bit less, but we still want the same thing. Um, we, we, we also spend time doing some coaches development stuff um, and just working with our coaches throughout the year as well. I, I mean, I think we've really covered, you know, both perspectives here from the box owner and, and from the, from the coaches view, but if you guys had to sum it up and give box owners a 30 second to one minute kind of lesson, what would it be? As far as, as far as what, as far as pay goes, as far as, you know, yeah, I'd say you like, know, hey, coaches where well, we know how we, your stance on hiring coaches. You would not hire coach Glassman. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, 
<laughs> it's just, it's a similar thing to, to what Jay said. Obviously, it's like I got to see how you fit. So yes, there are scenarios where I bring you in in an interview and then see how it goes in here. But the reality of it is, as you guys all know, is like everybody's idea and concept of what CrossFit is is a little bit different. You guys agree with that? So just because you coach somewhere, like wherever you coach is kind of your foundation of what CrossFit is. And I guarantee my gym's a little bit different. So I got to make sure that you buy into the way that we do things, the way that we program workouts, the way that we run classes. And so I need you bought in before I want you to be a leader with inside the walls of my gym. So if I came off too harsh before, it's like, yeah, there's a chance for you to get a job, but you got to make sure that you fit with what we do. And it's, and it's a two-way street. Not only do I need to like you, but you need to like our program. If you walk in and you're like, dude, I don't like the way these guys do their programming, or I think it's stupid that they do this, you're not going to enjoy yourself either. So I need you to be around enough to where you, you realize that you like what we're doing as well. This is, Fern, this is Todd. Um, Greg, uh, can I see your resume? Oh, I see here that you uh, founded CrossFit. That's great. That's great. Um, you're going to have to join for a month, see if we're a good fit for you. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, we we know he could afford it, so that's fine. <laughs> he's gonna he'd be like this. Uh, I now own the place. I'm buying it. From you. <laughs> You're fired. Uh, <laughs> hey, if it was you that was coming to do this thing, I would want you in there because you'd be the only guy in my gym that pushes back when coaches kind of try to scale you. Because you tell tell everybody that you do it RX. No, no, no. I'm RX. <laughs> the way far I can do this. For the record. I front squatted uh, 145 20 times yesterday just for fun. Um, what was the number? There was a workout that we were going to do a couple of months ago where it was like 50 reps at back squat at 185. And you were like, I can do that. I'll do it tomorrow. And then we woke up the next day and we were like, I just don't want to get sore. I'm not. <laughs> that was it. That was it. It was 50 reps at 185. I know I can do that. <laughs> no, wait, in, wait, in one set? Yeah, unbroken. Impossible. I guarantee exactly, I can do it. Exactly why I wouldn't hire you at my gym. You would <laughs> a workout and you would ruin the culture. <laughs> I know I can do that. I just also know it would leave me extremely, it wouldn't even leave me sore. It would be one of those workouts that you're just, you feel like you have mono for a week after. <laughs> wouldn't leave him sore. Fern, are you listening to this guy? <laughs> yeah. I try not to, but sometimes. <laughs> let me let me reel it back in. Let me be the voice. Of actually, I've, I've got a question, actually, for both of you. Have okay. you have either of you ever? Because uh, this is another one that comes up uh, pretty regularly. Have either of you ever bartered successfully within your business? So, Roz actually yells at me for trying to barter too much. You know, even. For whether it's for when you're eating, whether it's for us. I'm a big, you know, she said, that's like a Jewish thing. You get that from your mom. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know where I get it from. But to me, it's always been, you know, I have a service, you have a service, you know, let's not get, you know, money involved. It, it's, it's simple. I've had some very successful barters for membership, primarily membership back in the day, you know, especially like massage therapists or food companies, chiropractors. You know, and, and it was very, we looked at the dollar, you know, here's what it costs to come here. Here's where you're, what it would cost for one massage or two. So yeah, I've had some successful ones when it comes to, to memberships. You know, when it came to coaching, I, I started with a lot of, of, you know, you get a free membership. I was very aware of the bottom dollar of Albany CrossFit. And, and like you, I ultimately 
started paying people. But if someone wanted to intern and learn more, you know, to a to a fault, I probably let too many people classify themselves as interns and coaches because I always enjoyed giving people that opportunity just to to be a bigger part and to I always felt like this this changed my life, CrossFit. I want to give you that opportunity. But yeah, and then my expectations would rise and it was always some of those ended poorly. So for memberships, yes. For coaching, I had a handful, but more often than not, they didn't go well. So what about what about you, Todd? Uh, similar to what Jay said, we we traded membership for different different things, massage therapy. Um, I've also always been in the, in, in, the, in the boat to where if somebody wants to be a part of our gym and wants to work out, but maybe financially it doesn't work for them, if they are willing to put in the work, we've got a number of people that are like, hey, I'm willing to clean your gym, or what can I do to make this happen um, to be a part of your facility? And, uh, you know, you just outline very clearly on what's expected from them and what they get for that. And so we've had that, that happen on a, a few occasions and it's gone well. We've also had it happen, same deal, where it's like, all right, cool, you can come in. I need you to, you know, I want you to show up at the gym and, this is what I expect from me, and it doesn't work out. And if it doesn't work out, then it's easy just to nip in the bud and call it a day. Yeah, there's for me the the struggle has always been there's very little ability to have any sort of accountability involved with that if there is not actually an exchange, right? If I don't give you something for that service, it's hard for me to tell you that you're doing a bad job or that I would like you to do it better because everybody puts the value on something, regardless of what it is. So cleaning, for instance, let's say we were going to swap a membership for cleaning. Let's say average box membership membership is probably 150 bucks. If we're going to exchange that, that means in a one month period, let's say I'm charged, let's say I valued the cleaning the box at $15 an hour. At, at minimum, the, the gym needs to get cleaned eight times. And I'm not, I'm not aware of anybody that's exchanging a membership with somebody who cleans, who actually cleans the gym eight times. Like that's a lot of cleaning. And that's probably the minimal amount of cleaning that needs to get done in a gym with high foot traffic. Um, so I don't know, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but like that's, that's why it's never worked out for me. It's also really hard to walk that back. So if, if we now break the barter, now you have to go back to paying a membership at which point very rarely have I seen that person stay in the gym. Yeah. I mean, in, in, in what I've learned from working with you Fern in these short four months is is absolutely spot on. I like the fact that you push me in this business to make sure we're paying people hourly. I, I like what you say, like, hey, people deserve to be paid for their time, period. And, you know, I, I probably would barter a whole lot less now in retrospect and just say, hey, you pay me, I'll pay you. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just easier. Go ahead, Todd. I was just going to say, it's like... <clears throat> I agree with what you said there, but I think it comes down to expectations. For me, there's not many people that have volunteered to clean the gym just because they'd rather clean than pay. It's usually like, man, I really want to be a part of your gym and I can't pay. What can I do? And so, you know, I, I get your, here's what, it, here's what I'd pay per hour, but it's like, if what I require from you is to clean the gym twice a week and here's what goes into cleaning the gym and you do that for me. And as long as that happens the way I like it, then we're good. If not, and it doesn't work out, then it's an easy conversation. You're like, Hey, this isn't working out for me. You know, you can either pay or we'll just go our separate way. So it's like, you know, I, yeah. 
I, I want people that want to be a part of our gym to be a part of our gym. And I don't want financial to be the reason that they're not. And so if we can make something work that we're both happy with, as long as there's clear lines drawn with that, then I'm okay potentially sacrificing a little bit of that as long as they're meeting the expectations that I've already laid out for them. What I've done in the past in those scenarios, because there, there have been people that I absolutely want inside the walls of my gym almost no matter what, and they come to me with a financial hardship. Um, and, and this is just another option for people to look into is <clears throat> I just give them the membership for free. You know, like if they've been there long enough and I know that they have absolute value to the gym because they bring a good vibe and people like to see them there, um, I just give them the membership for free. What I do, I do have a discussion with them and say, hey, listen, I know you're going through, you know, some financial stuff. We're going to comp the membership. Just tell us when you can come back and, and turn it on. And I'll also let them know that I just need them to not have that be known. Hey, that's just between you and I. The assumption by everybody else, including probably the vast majority of the staff and the rest of the memberships, is that you still pay your membership. If you're going to go around telling people that, then I'm going to retract the offer. Because that's, I don't want people to know that. Like it's not, like for a lot of reasons, I just want that to be a very private exchange. And it, it has generally worked out when I've done it that way. Just give it to them for free. <clears throat> yeah, we've had similar, if it's, a, yeah, we've, we've done similar things and had similar scenarios as well. I think we're a little aligned on that. All right, Fern, so let me ask you, if, if you were to summarize this whole conversation to box owners and they approach you at a box, say, what should I do as far as compensation for coaches? What would your elevator pitch be? First and foremost is start where you can, even if it is an incredibly low, laughable, almost embarrassing rate to pay people for their time. But again, going back to where we started with this, there, there are second and third order effects of not paying people for their time. And most of them are pretty far out in the future. And again, going back to like, if you have a business that is run on barter that has no labor involved in it, like that's a fake business. And it's going to be really hard for you to, when you get to the point where you decide you want to grow or scale because you've not built in the actual cost of doing business into your gym, right? You're like, Hey, if I want to go to the point where I'm now going to pay people, you know, and I, realize that if I was going to pay people for their time, my payroll is now $10,000. And at no point have I grown revenue to match that expense that would be a real business. That's going to be a real problem. And now you're going to be stuck in no man's land for a really, really long time. So, you know, so you can build that in, pay people fairly for their time. Um, and, and, and you'll be able to have accountability and culture within the framework of your business. Yeah, and I think something you said there to summarize it is really if you want a real business, you know, and, and we we treat these, I think a lot of box owners treat this like, hey, I do want a real business, but I don't want to pay people. It's like, well, then you don't really have a real business. And ultimately, if you're going to be successful one day and whether it's grow your box to 100, 200 or six figure revenue, you have to be paying your, your coaches and I think you guys do an exceptional job of that. The box that I coach at made it mandatory. They don't do any bartering or anything like that. It's just pay your coaches based on their level. And I think, you know, lastly, as a, as a coach, you have to figure out what's, what's worth it to you. You know, if you want, you know, I, I, we joke around with Todd, but clearly drive fitness is the box in St. Augustine and you, you have to earn that spot there. If you want to coach right away in St. Augustine, there's other boxes to choose from, but they're not drive fitness. So 
you know, and, and same holds true wherever you may live. You have to determine if it's if it's worth it for you to stay there. Have either of you guys ever done percentage-based pay for programs? Like, so for instance, uh, an example of that would be Chris Cooper is a big proponent of four nights. So that would be 44%. The reason for that is it's a 33% or 30% profit margin to the business factoring in about a 25% overhead. And then the trainer or leader of that program takes 44%. Yes, but uh, here's what I'll tell you. We should hold that thought because I think we can have an entire episode on that. Okay. So we can, let's have our next episode on, you know, paying for programming slash the four ninths model, the pros and cons. And we've also have a second episode with Dr. Sean Pastuch coming up where we talk a little bit about that and that'll be up on Thursday. So yeah, let's dive into that. And we've got Sean who's very much against it. And I'm in the, I'm in the neutral zone. We're fans of both. I think Chris is a great dude. I think Sean's a great dude. And uh, let's, let's dive into that a little bit more. Sound good, Todd? Sounds good, man. Todd, how many reps do you think I can get at 180? Be honest. How many back? do you think? Yes, back squat. Yeah. You What's know? your back squat? What's your back 22. squat? Now, right 22. now, I would say my back squat's probably about 325, 335. It's not very high right now, but I'm very good at pushing out high reps of my percentage. Is that above or below parallel? I know you like to squat high. I'm always below parallel, bro. You know that. Todd, come on. What do you think? <laughs> the most flexible bad mover I've ever met in my life. <laughs> um, if you touch 25, I'll tell you what, I'd be impressed. Dude, I did 25 now in my closet here with no warm-up. <laughs> you're going to take the seven T-shirts off your, off your shelf back there and put them on your back, and you're going to be like, believe me, it's, this is 185 pounds. We're good. I'll just count this. I've done 275 for 20. That was when you were training three times a day and all you did was work out. That's not, no, that's not, that's not true. But side note, I appreciate you noticing my minimal closet here. Todd, like Todd and I are both big proponents of, uh, how do you say your name? Marie Kondo. Oh, right? is that, I thought it was a Marie Kondo, but okay. I try to say it with a little, you know, accent. French accent, yeah. French okay. accent. But, um, the Magical Art of Tidying Up. Todd introduced me to that book. If you're listening, I highly recommend you checking it out. We're Listen, that is, not, that is not what my closet looks like, just to be very honest. Todd, I don't know that you and I would survive in the Fern household. Oh, my gosh. No way. We would just throw everything away. I, I try to on a regular basis. Including the kids. Hey, kids. You know, I don't find joy um, in this. You're going. <laughs> some days. Yeah, some days. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully that answered some questions. You know, we'll, we'll point you in this direction if you've asked us this in the past. But I think, you know, big picture when it comes to CrossFit is there's not a whole lot of black and white. There's a lot of gray. And, you know, while we've given you what we believe are best practices, ultimately you have to make your own decision. And that's the beauty of CrossFit is it's an affiliate model and you can make those decisions. Any last words? No. I want the video of that 50 reps, Jay. <laughs> I'll tell you what. If we get a listener demand, I will do 50 reps. But I feel like – and let here's what I'm going to do. Let me Before you speak, Todd, I'm going to put it out to the listeners, and I'm going to say they come up with the wager, and I don't need Todd to do anything. But if I successfully back squat 50 reps below parallel, et cetera, Todd either has to do X, Y, or Z. Nothing like, you know, where he's going to get in trouble. 
but something silly. You know, no tattoos, like nothing outrageous, but he has to do something to appreciate my fitness. I'll let I, the I, decide. I would agree to that, but here's here's my demand is we need we need the attempt on video, probably on the next podcast or on a podcast. I would love to be there in person, but if not, I at least have to be watching via Skype or something like that. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. It will certainly be on video. But I'm, I, I assume I've developed enough credentials and, you know, you guys would trust me, but I'll film it. I'll film it, you know, just in case. <laughs> be paying attention i gotta be watching it live that's what i got yeah, todd and i will do we will do we live will commentary broadcast. yeah we will do live commentary on it okay so it's gonna be like the, the world feed it's gonna be the world feed of, of yeah. me doing squats <laughs> all right i'm in listeners come up with the uh you know appropriate reward i will say for me that it you know <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like the presumption of of winning there. It's good. And and I'll do. The, I'll, I'll throw one more. I'll throw one more thing to the mix. Whoever's reward I accept, we will let them on the show with you guys to watch. Oh, I love it. Okay. All right. So you get the reward of hanging with Fern and Todd and and watching me crushing fifty reps. Oh, I'm excited because I know I can do it. It's an easy bet. I know I got this. Todd, this is going to be like when he crushed the 66 reps at that 35-pound push oh press. <laughs> or when, a couple of years ago, we did, uh, we did uh, Nasty Girls. Don't. We did, <laughs> he did seven flips in the first round, and he did two the rest of the workout and kept failing. And he told me it was because of his back squat set that he did the week before is the reason he couldn't do muscle-ups. That was a true story. That was the week that I did the 20 reps at 275. That was a Wednesday. This is now Saturday. We're in Jacksonville. Todd wants to hit Nasty Girls. I can do muscle-ups. I couldn't do one. I was, can you do muscle-ups? I thought I could up until that moment. But I'm telling you, that's the type of feeling that I'm referring to where you're not even sore. Your body's just like, no, no more. All right. I wanted to get out of this episode without Todd talking through a funny story of me working out. That was, I was unsuccessful. I look at this entire podcast as a failure now. Entire episode. <laughs> Just like 50 reps. Thanks All right. Time. Listeners, you know what to do. Hope that helped. And uh, we will be back all week with some great interviews and some great shows. And if you're still listening and you're thinking about Watt on the Waves, don't forget to use our code BESTHOUR. All right. We'll see you guys later. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. And just so you guys know, it is bonus week. We're going to be bringing you an episode every day, Monday through Friday this week. And we've got some great, great interviews and episodes coming your way. Check out besthouroftheirday.com if you haven't already. And you can find us on social media at Best Hour of Their Day or email us, Best Hour of Their Day at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.